as we uh, come to the Lord now in prayer, hear this uh, Psalm, Psalm 23, as our prayer to God. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Jesus, our great shepherd, we turn our hearts to you now, knowing that in you uh, we lack nothing, that you have the ability to make us lie down in green pastures, to lead us beside still waters, and to restore our souls. And so we pray today that you would uh, guide us for your namesake, and even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that we don't have to fear any evil because you're with us. You prepare a table before us in the presence of our enemies and anoint our heads with oil. Surely, God, your goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our life. We, dwell, we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We pray, God, for those who um, are in places where they feel like they're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, we pray for Ukraine, for the war that is taking place there. We pray against evil. We pray for the restoration and the protection of lives. We pray for the end of war. We pray for good to triumph. We pray for the church of Jesus in Ukraine and Russia and Eastern Europe all across the world to join together in the power of prayer and the power of a God who can work the supernatural when we think all hope is lost. We turn to you, God. We join with the body of Christ as we cry out to you for those who are in danger. We bring our very hearts and lives before you on behalf of others tonight. We pray that you would teach us through your holy word more about Jesus the Prince of Peace, the true King, the one who's Lord over the whole world. Help us today, God, as we worship to hear his voice, to have other things be pulled away so that we can truly fix our eyes on him. He is the author of our faith, the one who got all this going, and he's the perfecter, the finisher, the one who's gonna get us all the way there. So we look to you now, Jesus, as we pray your prayer, the one you taught us. Let's pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. It is great to be with you. I'm so thankful that you're here to worship with us. I also welcome in uh, many of you who are joining us online for worship now. We're grateful that you have joined Providence Church. My name is Jacob Armstrong. I'm one of the pastors here, and I can't wait to share with you some good news from God today. 
as a pastor, I get to sit with people who are dying uh, on a regular basis. I sit uh, by the bedside uh, or with someone um, who is breathing their last breaths in this life. I'm invited, usually by family, to join. Uh, and there are a few professions that get to do this, and I have one of them. And I say get to do this because each time I've been able to do that, it is a great gift that has been given to me. A couple of weeks ago, Allison, who is our director of care here at Providence Church, got a call from Kathy Anderson. And Kathy uh, was a longtime member of Providence Church, a kind of uh, spunky back rower, meaning she sat in the back row for year after year after year. She always had a sly smile for me and a witty comment or two, and she was very faithful in her church attendance, very faithful in her church attendance. And Kathy was dying, we knew that. She was on hospice care, and she had called Allison to make a request that we had never received before. And that request was she wanted to come and sit in this room one last time. This is a place she encountered the Spirit of God, amen? And before God's Spirit took her home, she wanted to be in this spot. And so uh, she came, and she got to sit in her old spot in the back row. We moved the chairs and rolled her wheelchair into her spot, a spot she said, I've sat in this spot in every gym we've worshiped in, she told me. And we took communion together. Pastor Regina led us in that. We sang a worship song. Her favorite hymn uh, was, He Touched Me. And we sang it together. The words say, He touched me. Oh, he touched me. And oh, what joy that floods my soul. Something happened, and now I know he touched me and made me whole. You might be surprised to know that when people are dying, they don't spend all that much time talking about death. Now, they'll mention uh, sometimes you'll feel afraid or uncertain, and that's oftentimes when a pastor or chaplain is called in to talk with someone. But I would say, as someone who's done this hundreds of times, that the primary content and tone of discussion is not what you might expect. People who are dying talk about living. They focus on moments when they really experienced life. They recount uh, memories of family members that lead to smiles across their faces, bellies that are laughing, and even singing. It's true. When people are dying, their hearts remember life because their hearts are fully alive. Rarely do folks who are dying talk about promotions at work, how much money they made, or awards they won in life. Now, these are things we spend a lot of time working for, but they aren't what is remembered in those moments, what is cherished. Instead, people talk about Christmas morning when they found their kids had woke up before they had and opened up the presents without them knowing. They talk about jumping off the dock at the lake. Uh, they talk about the, dad, the time dad came out of the ocean with the big wave, knocked his swimming trunks into the Gulf of Mexico. I'll be honest, guys. They never talk about money, never talk about business, Never talk about crushing it from age 40 to 55 to move from middle management to senior leadership. It's not that those things aren't important. Don't mishear me. I'm just saying it's not what will be on your minds and on the tip of your tongue when you have a few hours to go. People talk about the drive home after they drop their son off at college the first time. They talk about Thanksgiving when grandpa would pray that short, simple blessing. They talk about their daughter's first solo in the school choir. People who are dying talk about life. And what I have noticed 
uh, as someone, again, who's had that opportunity to be with people in that precious moment. A common uh, theme, a common denominator of all those moments is this, space. Not like outer space, but space where life could happen. Today, I want to call it space for a miracle. We've come to John chapter 3 in our study of the book of John. And John chapter 3 is one of the most famous chapters in the whole Bible. I have taught on it many times, and some of y'all are looking at me because you know that this is probably the third time in just less than a year that I have taught from John chapter 3. So get over it. We're going to do it again, okay? John chapter 3, though, is not famous for the story in John chapter 3. In fact, when I read the story to you, you may think, oh, I'm, I, don't, I didn't quite remember that. John chapter 3 is famous for one verse, John 3, 16. In my estimation, the most famous verse in the Bible. Would you like to say it with me? Let's say it together. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Now remember, some of you remember, John wrote his book, he told us, so that we would believe that Jesus is God's son. And here he's saying, whoever believes in Jesus won't die. They won't die. They won't die, but they live forever. And so I want you to hear the story of John 3.16, and it's about a guy named Nicodemus. Nicodemus is a member of the Jewish ruling council, what is called a Pharisee. Nicodemus would have heard about Jesus' miracles, so probably had heard about the miracle talked about in John chapter 2, water into wine, and most likely Nicodemus was present when Jesus turned over the tables in the temple. John chapter 2 is water into wine and the tables being turned over. Nicodemus would have been well aware of what Jesus was up to, but he didn't quite understand who Jesus was. So John 3 verse 1 says there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miracles you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Nicodemus asked, how can someone be born when they're old? Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. And Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water, like in their, the birth of their, from their mother, and the Spirit. Jesus says to live, to really live, to see God's kingdom, you are going to have to be born again. Nicodemus was trying to figure out what Jesus is saying, kind of like we are, right? You're thinking, what is he really saying? Uh, but Jesus was trying to let him know all those things you search after in your life, what you'll find, what you're really looking for is not all those things, but actually life. And you have to be born again to really live. No, it's kind of weird. Hang with me. This leads John, the writer of this, to the conclusion of this crazy nighttime visit by the guy who should have had all the answers, but instead had all these questions. His conclusion to, to Nicodemus' encounter with Jesus is 
God loves the world so much that he sent his son. And if you believe in him, you won't ever die, but you'll live forever. This was a miracle moment for Nicodemus. He heard from the mouth of God the key to living in this life and beyond. It was a miracle moment that now we have taken and has been repeated over and over and over all throughout the world. This line from Nicodemus encounter, it's behind the field goal uh, post of every football game, John 3, 16, this message trying to get out to the world, what John was writing his whole story about. And that is if you believe in this renegade rabbi who turns water into wine and turns tables over in the temple, if you believe, that he is the one God has sent, his very own son, the Messiah. If you believe in him, you will have life in his name. Today, I want you to see that Nicodemus had space for this encounter to happen. He had space for a miracle to happen in his life. He had space to hear from Jesus and hear about being born again and to believe. And so for us to get to the greatest line in the Bible, that has led to life for millions, Nicodemus had to do three things. That's what I wanna cover with you uh, in these few moments. The first is he had to notice the ache in his life. One, notice the ache. Number two, next, he had to interrupt the pace. And three, he had to intentionally create some space. So back to number one, notice the ache. First, for a miracle to happen. You have to notice where you are hurting or maybe just notice that something isn't right. So often though, we don't even notice that we're aching for more life. Some of us, I won't point anyone out, but some of us are experts in ignoring the ache. We have figured out how to sit on top of all the things that aren't right in our life and all the things that we're hurting about. We have, many of us, a routine that pushes it down every day. So this can look like uh, four glasses of wine on a Tuesday night. This can look like seven episodes of Netflix in a row on a sunny Saturday. This can look like hitting the ignore button on your phone when your friend is calling. I noticed that happened to me just the other day, just last night. I was driving home and a good friend called me on, on the phone and I was just like, ignore. And then I thought, why did I ignore? What was I trying to not go into or to, or to talk about? But the most common way to ignore the ache is just to keep adding things on in your life and keep moving. And if you keep on moving, you have the chance to make it through a day or a hundred or more without addressing the ache. But one day, hear hear me, one day, you will be unable to sit on top of it anymore. Something will happen or somehow it will catch up and you will notice, just simply, you'll notice, I'm hurting. I have an ache. Everything is not okay. You may notice it right now. Something just doesn't feel right in your life and you're longing for what? For something more. More peace, maybe more hope, more life. So noticing an ache is sort of like noticing a toothache. Uh, It's not a great feeling, right? But what it does is it allows you to address something that will lead to your healing. I really, really think, uh, this is a bit of conjecture, but I've read this story a bunch of times really, really think that Nicodemus was aching over something, that he was looking for something 
else. Here's why. He was a religious teacher who would have been thought to know all the answers to all the big questions, but something in his heart was saying, there's something more. When he heard about Jesus and what he was doing, he had to find out more. Again, the Bible doesn't say that. I'm kind of reading into it, but what I'm saying is you are looking at right now a religious professional just like Nicodemus. So would you just take my word for it for a moment? That I can see in his behavior something that I recognize. He's looking for something more. He has seen and heard about Jesus. He's heard about the miracles, he says. And the miracles are leading him to find out more. So look at what he did. When he noticed that all the religion he had was not giving him life, he interrupted his pace. Number two, I don't know what Nicodemus normally did at night, right? So I don't know what his normal nighttime routine was. I mean, we could guess, you know, probably he had church meetings or he went home and caught up on the Wordle or uh, visited his mom. I don't know, if is it the Wordle or just Wordle? I don't know. I don't know what Nicodemus normally did. I don't know what he did, but we know that his nighttime routine was not going to meet with renegade rabbis who were already in trouble with the establishment and with his colleagues. That was not normal. It was not business as usual to go talk to the guy who turned over the tables in his office that day. So Nicodemus was interrupting, jarring, changing what he normally did for the intentional reason of encountering Jesus and finding out more of who he was. And that simple interruption changes his life. After we notice the ache, we have an opportunity to interrupt the pace. And for most of us, that means slowing down. Some of us even stopping. But for some of us, it may mean a need to get moving. Some of us have stopped all operations. We're way down in the numbing and you may need to step it up. What I'm saying is, there's a spiritual thing to jarring the pace of your life to get the heart's attention. I've been getting up early on Thursday mornings to meet with some men here at the church to pray. And if you've ever liked to join us, we're doing that on Thursday mornings at, at 6.30. That is outside of my normal routine. I have to get up really early. Mark and I have to get here really early to make enough coffee for these like 60 men who come. It's an amazing amount of consumption that takes place. And so I keep having to get up earlier to get there. And I come in here at 6.30. We did that uh, this Thursday morning. And we were, uh, there was 60 or so of us sitting around, a bunch of men who would have usually not been here for, for an hour praying. Did you know that we prayed for you? And it's so different from our normal routine for us to gather and to pray that it has jarred something in my heart that I'm finding uh, life and connection, I know just because of stepping out of my normal routine for the intentional purpose of connecting with Jesus. A very simple thing, you're doing it right now. You're at church or you're watching this church service. You need to know what you're doing right now is weird. Coming to church for an hour. And here's what I want you to know, culturally, it's getting weirder. This is not what the world does. What you're doing right now is not what a pretender or someone who's just trying to cruise through in their faith life does. No, it's what someone who's looking for life does. 
does something different, intentional, in a space to encounter Jesus. You are interrupting, you are a part of right now, interrupting the pace of our culture by sitting and worshiping and noticing God's presence. This is a space where life can happen for you. And so we have to intentionally create space in our life for miracles to happen. Intentionally, because this will not just happen. It feels that way sometimes. I talk to people who've encountered God and they're like, I was out on this hike two hours in, I walked into a wide open field, the flowers were blooming, the birds were singing, and there I met with God. Or I'll hear somebody say, I had my cup of coffee, the Bible was open, everything was still, and God spoke to me through the reading of the day. They're like, it just happened. But when I hear that, there's a lot of things in that that didn't just happen. The hike, the hours, the coffee, the Bible were all intentional acts that created a space where God could come in. For Nicodemus in the Bible, it looked like canceling a meeting one night and going to talk to someone who he was drawn to, who he thought had the spirit of God. And what became the most famous sentence in the Bible started with one guy who I think noticed the ache and said, my religion is not cutting it. My pattern is not meeting my needs. And so he interrupted his pace and he created some space and he said, Jesus, who are you and what are you doing? And Jesus said, Nicodemus, you are gonna have to be born again. Jesus knew Nicodemus' heart and he knew that he needed a new birth, not a new teaching, not a new worship service, not a refresher course on the things of God. He knew that he had to come alive again in his heart. We've just begun a 40-day season called Lent, a 40-day season leading up to Easter. And what it is, is an intentional time for space to be created so that we can encounter God. What's it all about? It, it, it's, it's oftentimes about giving something up. What does that do? It kind of jars your pace. I usually eat lunch right now, but I'm not. I'm gonna encounter God. Or you may need to make a commitment to daily Bible study or a prayer at a certain time and changing your pace and changing your rhythm open up these, opens up these spaces. Maybe you want to join a discipleship group. We've had a bunch of people do that. What's that? It's, it's getting this new thing, this new pattern where space is created to encounter God. When I, Regina and I sat with Kathy in the back of the, the room there, um, she recounted a story. I don't remember all the details of it, but it was something to do with a, a very stressful day and a stressful time, something to do with a child. And she was telling us about the story and that she was driving too fast and all this stuff. And then she, she came to this point where she said, I felt like God touched me. And in the craziest time in her life, in, the, in a big crisis that was before us, there was a space where she stopped and she said she actually felt the touch of God. And she said, that's why my favorite song is, he touched me. He touched me and made me whole. And so I want us to learn uh, before we have her memorial celebration here, I want us to learn from the disciple, Kathy, who showed that at a time when she had an ache, she noticed it, she interrupted the pace. Even at the end of her life, she wanted to come and change the pattern and come back in this space and encounter Jesus. You see, Jesus said that those who believe in him won't die. And that's why when people are on their deathbed, they talk about life because life is still to come. With our last breaths, here's the deal, guys. We can breathe our last breaths and give glory to Jesus and talk about life because it's not really gonna be our last breath because we believe in Jesus. So what I want us to do now 
is to um, notice the ache that you may be feeling. Just notice it. Don't sit right on top for a moment. Just kind of be there. We'll interrupt our pace, pause for a moment, and have some space. Shackled by a heavy burden Neath the load of guilt and shame Then the hand of Jesus touched me And now I am no longer the same Cause he touched me Oh, he touched me And oh, the joy that floods my soul Something happened And now I know He touched me And made me whole He touched me Oh, He touched me And oh, the joy that floods my soul Something wonderful happened And now I know He touched me and made 